0: Cockatiel, and um, it was singing away, and it was a beautiful melody. And the lady was getting across with the vacuum uh, cleaner, and getting to a certain point. And as if anyone has ever had birds before in their house, it's incredibly messy. And it's all those seeds that's everywhere. And so she vacuumed under the cage, got that all clear and clean, looked in the cage, and just saw this absolute mess in there. And thought, what's the point of me cleaning up below here when this is just going to spew out. So she thought of the easiest and quickest way of cleaning this cage. So she took the nozzle of the vacuum cleaner and proceeded to put it into the cage and this was all going really really well until she tripped over the cord and the vacuum cleaner nozzle went upwards. It sucked this cockatiel right into the vacuum cleaner she panicked, switched off the, the vacuum cleaner completely, managed to get this dust-ridden, uh, uh, shell-shocked little cockatiel out. So she rushed it to the bathroom to get this dust off and kind of drowned it in the basin to get this thing off. Saw this thing was completely wet, grabbed the hairdryer and started to proceed to blow the thing dry. It saved the day, but never sang again. She simply put it back on the perch, and he just sat there, just <laughs> staring. Now, I don't know what, what you're feeling like right now, but has something robbed your joy? Part of you, do you feel like you've been sucked up, drowned, and blow-dried, and placed on the perch? Has something caused you to be this place where you're just going, What now? Where's this at? And you're just sitting there going, how do I handle this? Where do I go from this? What do I do from this? It may be things like, they did what with the petrol price? Maybe you're still sitting there on the perch going, what? What's just happened to our country? What? What's robbed your joy this morning? And so we're going to jump back, and I spoke last time on Paul, an incredible character, a man of incredible faith. But when we start to see how he lives out that faith and his passion for Christ, it it really just oozes out. But we can learn so many things. And tonight, well, today I want to go to Philippians chapter 2, if you can turn this along. I am going to read from the ESV version this morning. And it says here, Philippians chapter 2, we're going to pick up from verse 1. Uh, Thank Rick for for reading the message version. The the message brings such illustrations in it. And it says here, So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, have a look as we read this, the any, 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 any. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any inflection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, Having the same love and being full uh, full accord of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in, uh, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look, look to not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind amongst yourselves, which is yours, uh, which is yours in Christ Jesus whom he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and found in human form. He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God was highly exalted in him and bestowed him the name that is above every name. So that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for what it means. And Lord, we just want to trust in you. We want to learn from you. We want to be with you. Know you more. So really speak to us this morning, we pray. Amen. So Paul goes on to say that make my joy be complete, the ESV version. If you look at the NIV, it says, may my joy be filled in this. So Paul's at a place where his joy isn't to the fullness. Almost at a place. Maybe the situation that Paul's under, as we know from Philippians, is that Paul is under house arrest, kind of chained to guards, waiting for a, a, a time, almost wanting to know what his sentence would be whether he was going to be killed or released. This is what Paul's doing. Maybe that could be the circumstances, the situations that put him on the perch, going, what's going on here? It could be the worry, and we can see that as he writes to, to Philippi. And it, it might be the worry of what's going on in the church, the false teachers that have slipped in, that be the disunity that's, that's been caused by two significant high-powered ladies that are in the church. But his joy is not complete. His joy is going to be complete when his church has the attitude that of Christ. And that's what we see. It's the attitude of Christ that needs to come out. Paul realizes his outward circumstances are going to change. But his inward ones have to. Now I don't know about you, but if I've got an honest confession to make, it's been a crazy two years. It really has. As I shared last time, my daughter was uh, um, looking, you know, online schooling, and we brought her to church because we had no power. She looked at the calendar next to my desk, and she said, Dad, what's that? She so said, it's, it's my year planner, my calendar. She says, why is it so empty? I said, COVID, my girl. <laughs> it's been a crazy year. And I know as, we've been, as I've been preaching over the last while, just talking about the things that get thrown at us. And we had at a place where we're going, whoa, this is, this is rough. This is taking place. What's going on? How can we handle this more? And it's almost like our joy gets rubbed. We can't change the outward, but we can change the inward. And as we go through this year, I found i become more snappy at others. Is that anyone else? My response to things, where I might be more patient, more gracious in things... You find that you're resulting in acting differently, shorter fuses, biting each other off, and you're going, Whoa, where's that from? Where's this coming from? Where's this taking place? And it's almost like our attitude has started to change towards things. And so Paul's saying that our attitude, very aware, going through very difficult circumstances, needs to happen inward. We need to have an attitude shift to get through this. This is really what he's saying. And Paul's joy will be complete when what? The church in Philippi, the church today, has this form of shift. So what kind of shifts do we need to make in our attitude to experience this incredible joy? Firstly, we need to shift our focus. We need to shift our focus. He starts off by saying, so if there is any, have a look at the any's. If you've got the NIV, you'll see if, if, if. Paul's saying that these things, if. So as a Christian, you should be experiencing these things. You should be taking encouragement in. You could almost replace the word any here or if with the word because. Because of the encouragement I have in Christ. Because of this, I'm able to. And so we have to shift our focus, what? Upwards. Now, I uh, had the privilege of being on BISA teams. I don't know if it was the privilege of the teams, but it was my privilege to be on it. And um, we trained in Rotorua, and the head office was at the Baptist Union head office, and the campsite's were right on top of a hill, on top of a door ring. And uh, in fact, it's, it's the highest point almost in Rotorua that you've, you'll see these big towers are right by it. And I remember the one time we had gone through Massive storms that had been around for three weeks. We didn't know if civilization existed. It was just clouds around you. And there were points where it just broke. The sun would break through the clouds. And you could see, hey, the people down there still exist. You know, we're not left alone. And what encouragement that is. Sometimes when we're in this despair, when we're caught up with things. It's so easy to become so focused on what's going on. Oh, I can't face this. I can't do this. I can't get through this. But when we look up and we see that light breaking through, what a difference. And so as we look up, we see the encouragement in Christ. This is not something that's just light. This encouragement means the fact that I can know him. The fact that I can say I am his. Isn't that incredible? That encouragement that should spur us on and motivate us. I loved going to places with some key people. I've been taken through businesses and I've gone to go meet with with people that own their own businesses and go find out what they do and and I walk with the boss of the business. So changing my walk. Why? Because I'm with him. Isn't it? That encouragement, I am with Christ. Then he talks about the unity in Christ. That I share, I'm one with him because he is in me. This is what it's sharing. That should spur us on. The fact that Christ, who lived, who died and was raised again for us and because of our sins. We know him. They encourage you. The one who suffered all, who understands what suffering is. We, we spent some time on Tuesday as a home cell looking through this verse and talking about the humanity of Christ, both fully God and fully man. In humanity, the fact that Christ would have suffered for us means that he knows what suffering is like. He knows betrayal. He knows rejection. He knows loneliness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knows abandonment. When the disciples fled, he knows these things. Isn't that incredible? Shouldn't we take encouragement? Because we're with him. With Christ. United with him. Shift our focus. Look to him. Encouragement in that. Christ knows it. Take any comfort from love. What's the greatest example of love? That Jesus, God, chose to send his Son for us. Now, I know there's times when we are down, when dark despair, when we're on that perch going, I don't know what's happened. Where we get to a place where we feel like it's not worth it. I'm not worth it. Ever been there? Well, you ever want to know what a person's worth is? You always look at what a person is willing to pay for it. Now, I've got no clue on this cryptocurrency, how it works. Because I'd like to see the physical coin. But this whole computer programming, source mining kind of thing that's happened... It's got incredible value. Why? Because look at how much people are willing to pay for it. The value isn't in the thing. Actually, I can't see it. But the value is what I mean it's worth paying for it. Our value isn't in us, our value is in what Christ was willing to pray for us. He chose to die for us. Isn't that incredible, incredible love you are so loved. It isn't in the basis of it, God is saying, come meet me halfway or do this or because you've done this. It's an unconditional love. God has chosen to love us despite of me. So we find encouragement in Christ. We find comfort in love. And the NIV uses the word fellowship. The SV here, participation in the spirit. And incredible that God doesn't just choose to die for us, but choose to work in us, in our lives. Isn't that incredible? That God is involved. As a Christian, it is impossible for you ever to be alone. Do you know that? You can go to Boxburg, Brackpan, and God goes with you. Isn't that incredible? God goes with you. You may feel like you're alone on this perch, robbed of your joy. Look upwards because he's there with you. He's there with you. He's never abandoned you. So if you, because of his encouragement, because of his love, because of his fellowship, see how it's flowing on? God doesn't just die for me. He chooses to work in me and through me. And you see the NIV turns around and says tenderness and compassion. But if you have any tenderness, affliction or compassion, it's now shifted from a focus upwards to a focus on others. There's a sensitivity in your heart. There's a bit of a change here that's taking place. Because when I'm aware of God's encouragement, when I'm aware of God's love, and when I'm aware of his fellowship, automatically my heart becomes tender to what? To others. And I have a friend of mine. I don't think he'd mind sharing this. He was on team with me. He also came from the south of Johannesburg. He was rough and tough. Um. He had very little grace and mercy, others, and and I could remember many times as a team, you know, you're waiting, you're going to have patience, and he would just snap, and he would he he wouldn't worry about anyone. He would just if somebody was upset or counselling, you didn't give him counselling. In fact, he would just tell people to build a bridge and get over it, kind of thing. It wasn't his gifting, but as he grew in the Lord, got involved in ministry has been ministering at a church for a very long time. I've seen this incredible change in heart. When I never thought I would see this guy I could ever get emotional. I've seen God soften his heart. What for others? To care for others. This tenderness that comes in. That we want to build, we want to do things. And so Paul's highlighting the fact that, that when we have the correct focus, it starts to bring about this unity that takes place here. Why? Because we become so concerned on others. So make Paul's joy filled by one, shifting our focus. Secondly, we've got to shift from a selfishness to a selflessness. Do you see that? got to shift from a... A, selfless, a selfishness from a, uh, to a selflessness. Paul moves from this basis of of just not focusing on, on, on God, focusing on Christ, and when we have this tenderness and care, then what do we do? We move on. How does that impact? It goes on to say in verse three: Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humanity, uh, but in humility, sorry, count others more than significant than yourselves. So he's saying, what happens here? It's looking at other people's interests. Now we have a, a kind of a worldly ranking system, a ladder system. You experience it? Just go meet strangers, and the conversation's often, "What do you do?" I want to see, like, if you, if you're more important than what I am. You know? Uh, well, I'm a brain surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a rocket scientist. Matthew Church. Yeah. I'm this. And we start to rank and value people. You want to see it? Who do you who do you spend time with? I find it quite interesting because as people start going, well, what do you do for a living? I say I'm a pastor. It's almost like the music stops. Everyone stares at you, and then slowly but surely people move away. Huh. Experience that. I don't know if Pastor Paul's experienced that in a plane. So what do you do? I'm a pastor. The conversation is very quiet for the whole trip. Except for when the plane goes to rocks and says, Oh, do you believe in him? <laughs> yeah. But we start to kind of rank people and where are you going. We start to judge people by what they wear. And I find it amazing that people will spend more money sometimes on, on their vehicles than their houses, something that depreciates instead of the asset of the house. Why? Because the impression of what I'm trying to create is so important. I've got to reveal something, I've got to show something, and then we judge on that. The worldly kind of basis talks about a ladder system of, of step on anyone's shoulders because you've got to get higher, you've got to get better, you've got to be this. And Paul's saying, nah, it's not this. We've got to be so concerned about others. Not about what they do, but rather who they are. That's where we've got to shift in the church. We've got to shift from this me, me, me to how can I serve? How can I, how can I come alongside? How can I invest in your life? How can I, build, how can I show interest in you, who you are? and so he gives us this example picking up from verse 6 he gives us the example as same same attitude same mind as that of christ verse 6 though who uh, through though he was in the form of god did not count equality with god something to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men if you think about this Christ at any point could have said, do You know who I am? You know, growing up in the Johannesburg, the south of Joburg area, it was very important about do you know who I are. You know? At any point, he could have said, do You know who I am, actually. But he doesn't. With absolute humility, he empties himself. You think about Christ on the reign, on the rule, involved in creation, coming down in the form of a, a human. Starting off as a baby, very dependent on others. Ever thought about that? From a throne to a manger. He does this for you and me. So, we move from selfishness to selflessness. I want to know you because of what Christ has done in you. I want to care for you because of who Christ is. He's done. Moving away from me, my values, who I'm trying to be, to who Christ has called me to be. And he's given us that incredible example. So we move, we've got to shift our focus. We move from a selfishness to a selflessness. But also it follows on, it's more than just moving in humility here, but it's got to shift to a life of service. A shift to a life of service. Verse 4 says, Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Incredible. I need to be so invested in the lives of others. It doesn't say that you mustn't avoid your interests or put your interests down on the side. Because we need to work. We do need to do things. But it's saying we don't let that consume us. Because we're called to build up others. We're called to invest into others. When Makal achieves, it's taken him a year, but he's worn shoes more this year than ever before. Okay? Greg's trying to get a candle angle there on you. <laughs> You're part of that. Because you want to invest in Makal. I want the best for Makal. Because that's what God called, called me to. Isn't that incredible. Incredible. When we move from the selfishness, and it moves to this act of service, McCall, because I want the best in you, because I value you, because Christ values you, what am I willing to do? Because I want the best for you. I want the best for each other. An incredible way of bringing unity. When our country was struck by riots, and we saw all the news and the fear and the anxiety that came around, what was one of the things that gave us a little glimpse of hope? was watching the communities coming together. It was watching those donations. It was watching those those shops being able to be restored. It was watching our national South African Defense Force of Taxis patrolling the Utenag area. I don't know if you saw that video. These acts of service. Incredible this is what we called to do by investing into others. Serve one another. Build into one another. Invest into one another. That's what we're called to do. And don't we sometimes feel our joy has been restored when you do that? Anyone seen a grumpy person serving you, apart from a person that's paid to serve you? Anyone experienced that? Have you ever tried to serve someone grumpy? One of the things I've learned to teach in, in marriage counseling, in counseling, is when you're angry with your wife, serve her. You try to pick up the broom when you're angry. You just shoot. As you serve her, you see the change. You're angry with your parents, go wash a car. Go do these things. Serve one another why because christ has come to serve and he is our example and that is the mind we are to take and through that we find this incredible joy matthew 20 verse 28 just as the son of man did not come to serve but to uh, to be served but to serve and give his life for ransom of many so we're called to this we're called not to be like the disciples standing at this, this bucket. Somebody's got to wash the feet. You didn't organize somebody to wash the feet. Well, you wash them. You're shorter enough. You know, you're down there. You're closer to the bucket. And I'm not going to wash your feet. You know where they've been. And as this arguments taking place, here Christ is. Became up the towel. Getting down. How incredible is this? One of the commentators turns around and says it's almost like the Queen of England coming. Everyone like amazed, you know, how do you do, good, see, you know, kind of thing. Do I mention about the rugby? Do I, you know, what do I do? And here she gets down in the bucket and starts to wash your feet. Part of me would feel like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. You really shouldn't. But Christ shouldn't. The creator of the universe. Chooses to serve. He served us. And so we adopt that same attitude and mindset. What would our community be like in Watercliffe? If we just served each other in this church. And if we served our community. What would the difference be? If it stood out for the riots, Shouldn't it be something we do naturally from the church? Because we're called to a life of service. So we find our joy when we serve. Fourthly, we need to not we need to move just from not just from the act of service, but we need to shift from looking for gain, looking to gain, but rather to give. Now this works on the service kind of basis. It's basically just saying we need to sacrifice. Because service sometimes is great. Yeah, you know, I'm happy to come see you. I will do this. It works for me. It's convenient for me. Let's great. Let's do this. But when does service really make an impact? When there's some form of sacrifice. Don't you find that? When we turn and say, this is going to cost me. But I want to invest in you. I want to do this for you. I want to build into you. I want to I go more. Because what? Christ has sacrificed for me. J.H. Yo, It says this, ministry that costs us nothing, accomplishes nothing. Ministry that costs us nothing, accomplishes nothing. See, more than just uh, service, but to sacrifice. I want to give into your life. I want to invest in you. I want to do this for you may make a bigger impact. I'm so grateful to be in ministry for so many years to be able to see people that have given so much of themselves. I want to acknowledge Paul and Manny that are sitting here today. To have had their own kids go out of the house, get to that point where they're like, they're out. You know, we've got a free house. To only open it up to a whole bunch of students. And to then not only open it up to a whole bunch of students, but to say, hey, before home sale, I'm going to cook for you guys. Have you met young adult students? They don't eat that whole day just so they can get to the Moet's house. That's not just service, but sacrifice. I've seen the impact that they've had in those lives of our young adult ministry because of this couple. Are we all called to this? Investing selfishly through service, through sacrifice, building into one another. Man, what would our church look like? If we didn't just do things because it was convenient. Because it suited me. But we chose to give. And lastly, we need to shift the glory. Verse 9. So therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him on the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The worst thing man could have done to Christ was to put him in the grave. The greatest thing God did through Christ was to raise him from the dead. As we give him the name Jesus, God gives him the name Lord, Lord of all, King of kings. We shift the glory because we don't do this for ourselves, we do it for him. And that's how Paul finds that fulfillment. When God, you're at work in the church, when the church realizes who you are, and when they start to manifest that, that attitude, man, to see God at work. See, we were designed and made to glorify God. That is our very purpose. That's what we do. Ever go to the beach and watch those waves crashing over the rocks and it just echoes how powerful my God is. And that beautiful sunset. Well, what if our lives fell in sync with what we're called to be? And as we do this thing, we can see God's glory displayed through us. Not to say, hey, great, check what I did. Look what I did. But man, to see God at work. I'm so grateful for messages that give encouragement. Uh, after preaching or doing things in ministry. I, I need affirmation sometimes. But you know what, what affirms and helps me so much more? is so I get these messages. It's just that, that realization that God is at work through me. And I'm all struck by that. God is at work. And we shift The Glory to him. I'm told of a story of a missionary who went to an unreached tribe Not knowing the language. He simply lived amongst the people for three years Didn't learn much of the language and left Ten years later other missionaries who had managed to pick up some similar dialect Had gone back to this tribe and started to minister to them and they started to minister to them They started to tell them about Jesus And the tribe stopped the missionaries to say, no, no, we know this Jesus. He lived with us for three years. Incredible when we take this on, we become less and Christ becomes more. For his glory. We get to become part of that crashing waves and that sunset just echoing how mighty is my Lord. How great is he. God wants to use you. God wants to work through you. I know that you may be at a place where you are feeling that you're stuck on that perch and your joy has been robbed. But we need to take on the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ. And when we do that, we experience incredible joy and unity. as Paul's highlighting. So let us do that. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. That every knee will bow, every tongue confess that you are Lord, and that is who you are. Thank you that we can know you. Thank you that we can find encouragement in that, comfort in that, fellowship in that, in what you have done. But Lord, I oh, just use us. Pray. To impact our brothers and sisters. To care, to build up, to nurture, to celebrate together. To experience such unity together. Because of what you have done. And the example that you have set. So we pray this in your precious name. Amen.